God will sleep and wake. We presumptuously make those plans, but we have a gracious God. He indulges those presumptions <laughs> and he allows them to happen. So we've been alive for two days since I last saw you. Let's be grateful. Let's praise him. <laughs> Father, you are good. We'll keep counting your goodness. We'll keep counting your goodness. We will not stop counting your goodness. We are grateful, Lord. Thank you that our tongues can form words. We can only imagine what the world of the dumb man is. No matter what he feels, he can't express it. Thank you for ears that hear sound. Oh, I was listening to the lead guitarist and I was just smiling on my seat because he was playing some notes that were gripping me. Can you imagine the life of the deaf man? No matter how beautiful the music, his ears can't hear. But your ears can pick the sound of the drum, of the keyboard, of the guitar. Oh, how about the world of the blind? Everything is pitch black. But we can see colors. There's some people whose eyes are open, but they're colorblind. Their world is monochrome. But you can see the smallest nuances of color because your eyes are perfect. God, we give you praise. We're intentional this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together for Jesus and sit down. Thank you, Lord. Lily of the valley, yes. Let your sweet aroma fill my heart. Rose of Sharon, show me how to walk in beauty in God's sight. Fairest of 10,000, Make me a reflection of your love. Day stars shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Lead me, Lord, I'll follow you. Anywhere you open up. The door. Let me know your wisdom. Show me things I've never seen before. Lord, I want to be your witness. You can take what's wrong. And make it right. Oh, day stars shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Lead me, Lord, I'll follow you. Anywhere you open up the door. Please, Lord, let
Let me know your wisdom. Show me things I've never seen before. Lord, I want to be your witness. You can take what's wrong and make it right. Oh, day stars shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Day stars shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Praise the Lord. Okay, so there was a story. I realized I started telling you a story on Sunday and I didn't finish it. And I'm sure some people went home. I mentioned a man by the name Mark Lesser. Did I do that? Yeah, I didn't finish that story, right? I just realized it. So, they did an experiment and got uh, about 10 men who were addicted to porn. And they, they put them under an MRI machine to do a 3D imaging of the brain. Because they were checking the fact that uh, whatever you are addicted to, just the mention of the thing causes the part of the brain that is affected by that behavior to light up like Christmas lights. So they wanted to prove it. So they, this man came and offered himself. He's a preacher. He's been clean now for 35 years or more. So he, he says, I want to be part of the experiment. I'm very sure my brain will not light up because I've not been bound to porn for the past 35 years. So they put all of them in the machine. When they brought all of them out, the images of their brains were there. And he was like, yes, yeah, so I think my brain is the only one that behaved different. They said, no, sir, all of the brain, they light up plus your own. And he's like, ah. So he became sad. <laughs> 35 years. My brain still they light up. They say, but sir, before you despair, you are the only one out of the 11 men we tested who didn't get aroused. The others, their brain lit up, your brain lit up. They got aroused, you didn't. And he said, why? Do you know what they found? I told you that every addiction is a training of the brain. So every time you indulge in the behavior, you are creating something like a groove. You know, the tiles have grooves in between them. They're deeply entrenched, so you can tell one tile from the other. The best example I can give you is when you go to the village where there's no tar on the road, it's mud. As cars are coming on the mud, they form a track. If you come there and say, you'll be guy, ma'am, be tough, man, say you want shift. Now there you're to go hang. You have to follow, and then when the rains stop, everything dries, and the road dries like that. That's called a rut, R-U-T. So every time you are repeating a behavior, you are creating the same kind of ruts in your brain. That's why it's so hard to remove addiction, because it's like you have etched the thing into the fabric of the brain. So they said to him, sir, the neurological pathway, which is what that is called, is still there in your brain. The neurological pathway for porn is still there in your brain. He said, but we saw something that uh, sort of shrouded or encapsulated that pathway and incapacitated it. He said, something held it and stopped it from reacting. And he said, what is that? Guess what? MRI machine recognized the word of God. It was scripture. 
They said the scriptures you have been putting and putting and putting. It's like the MRI machine was reading scripture from the man's brain. They said the scriptures came and incapacitated the porn pathway. So if you leave the word of God, you fall back to old behavior. You want to stay in power, you stay in the word of God. The word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's alive. The man shouted and shouted in that place. The doctors didn't understand why he was shouting. Because he has been telling people the word works, but now he had proof. For my brain, the word worked. Then see and self for machine. Woo! Word of God is alive. They saw it in the machine. I don't know that they saw it as a microbe or a bacteria or a, cannot be a virus, definitely. <laughs> Praise God. All right. So, these things need to go. I brought all my CDs. I told you on Sunday. I'm telling you again today. Take all kinds of titles here that will bless you. Okay. So how do you know you are addicted? I told you I will tell you. And I want you to measure yourself. Don't be a traffic warden today. You know what traffic wardens do? They stand in one place and tell everybody else where to go, but they are not moving. Some people come to church like that. Like on Sunday when I was preaching, some people were sitting and say, hey, I wish John was in church. You're supposed to hear this thing. You wait there here, uncle. What do you do? What do you hear? Do you understand? Okay, so don't be a traffic warden today. Measure yourself. How do you know you are addicted? One, broken promises. You have made promises to yourself, your God, your spouse, your pastor, your children, your God, your dog. Bingo, I will not do this thing again. And you still did it. It's indicative of an addiction. Two, entitlement. Entitlement is that thing that makes you feel that somebody owes you. People owe you. God owes you. Life owes you. Your spouse owes you. Nobody owes you anything. Entitlement is what your children do. I, one of my children, I, I told them, when I'm on the phone, you wait. When I finish, you tell me what you want to tell me. Do they listen? It's when you are on the phone that they have emergency. One of them came, mommy, mommy. He said, I'm on the phone. Mommy. I said, okay, what? I told the person, please excuse me. What is it? I'm feeling sleepy. <laughs> I swung my backhand, but I calculated the, 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 the amount of force it was coming with. That. Don't you know where the bed is? What do you mean by I'm feeling sleepy? You don't know where your bed is? What is that? That's entitlement. Whoever is at the other end, I don't care. Now you answer me. They caught a man who had committed adultery after 20 years of marriage. He had been faithful for 20 years. When the wife was crying, he said, why are you crying now? Ah, after 20 years of faithfulness, it's just this one time. So he felt that 20 years warranted one time of cheating. <laughs> if I put 2,000 naira here, as naira they had, even 1,000 feet tempt you. You understand? I put it here and you pass. Something says to you, steal it. You say, I know, I'm a child of God, I don't steal you come back a second time, somebody says, steal it. You say, no, I'm a child of God, I don't steal. If you pass 19 times and you don't touch that money, you're good. If you come on the 20th time and you take that money, what does that make you? A thief. Who remember the 19 times you passed? Doesn't count. Doesn't count. Praise God. So entitlement is one of the things that will tell you. Because you feel entitled to the porn. You feel entitled to the weed. You feel entitled to the adultery. You feel entitled to the gambling. You feel entitled. Ah, now all of this thing, they help me relax. So I beg. Every other thing I know get. But this one, what I get. Made a living for me. 
That's entitlement. Number three, failed attempts to change. You have made attempts. You have made attempts. Sometimes you go do two weeks. Before you blink, <laughs> you know we read it just uh, on Sunday in Romans. He said, just when I least expect it, they take charge. Parts of me that have become in charge, they are in charge of me. Before you know it, that thing you have said you will not do, three, th- three weeks have passed and you're like, yes. Suddenly you discover yourself just getting up from where you went to go and do it. Now that time your sense go come back. That's indicative of an addiction. What's the next one I'll give you? I'll give you uh, lost opportunities. Lost opportunities. A young man sat in front of me. His father is one of the greatest preachers in this country. Sat in front of me and said, I know the Lord has called me to ministry, but I dare not go to the pulpit. I said, well, I said, I have an addiction. It will disgrace me out of the pulpit. He said, if you can help me, I'll bring my, my younger brother. He's worse than me. So he has lost the opportunity. He said, I do a job and I earn big money, but I have no fulfillment because I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be. He said, but I can't go near the pulpit. He has lost the opportunity to be the best that God called him to be because of an addiction. A man went for a job interview, and uh, the panel was interviewing people, and there was somebody sitting in a corner. Nobody knew he was the owner of the company. Big Fortune 500 company. He was watching them for carriage, for how they were interacting with others while these ones were using aptitude tests for them. And he zeroed in on one man, and he said, if this man scores high on the aptitude test... Even if he's not the highest, I'll give him the job. The last test they had, and that man performed the best, incidentally. The last test they had was to go to the restaurant to eat. And they said, everybody bring your money, you'll pay for your own food. This man, the setup of the uh, place is like Mama Cass. You go from one end, pick what you want, get to the end and pay. So he was picking his pieces of food, whatever he wanted, and then he got to these tiny tubs of butter. You know that kind of butter where if you use them once, you don't finish. He got there in context style. Check around. Anybody look me? Nobody's looking. Carry one, pull for pocket. Then continued, picked the rest of the food, got to the end of the line, and paid for everything except that thing. That thing cost 10 cents. This is in America. 10 cents and 10 kobo. What he didn't know was that the same owner of the company was sitting in that corner again watching. He said, ah, Nati. He lost the job. Six-figure job because of 10 cover. Do you think that was the first day he thiefed? It's not the first day he thiefed. The thiefing cash him that day. When it's most critical, the devil will pull the rope and you go down. That's how it works. Devil is content to set the hook and leave it there. Until your best days show up. Okay, so that's um, lost opportunities. If you've lost time, if you've lost relationships, if you've lost money over a particular behavior, know that it's an addiction. Then you have negative consequences. Negative consequences. Road safety says speed limit is 100 kilometers per hour. You, you say because your motor gets 220 kilometers per hour limit, you won't press accelerator finish. Press your leg, begin speed. I love speed. Before you know it, your, your, your car is hanging on top of the pole. And you say, how this car take reach there? Speed. It's the speed you love. That's a negative consequence. Or road safety will stop you, and that place you are speeding to, they'll keep you for three hours. Where did the speed get you to? 
Negative consequences. If you've had negative consequences over any behavior, it's probably an addiction. Next one would be ineffective prayer. You open your mouth, you want to pray. Something will say you. You follow inside the people where they pray. <laughs> no be you. Ah, no be just yesterday. If I no be today, today self you. How you want to pray now? So you are opening your mouth to pray, but the prayer is hanging just under the ceiling. You know, pass. Your prayers are ineffective because the voice of your conscience is calling your attention to this thing. Your conscience is not leaving you alone. How many have I given you now? Eh? We are named them. Number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. Number six. Uh -uh, On a go school. Look at just they come up on a mouth. The final one is your heart knows. You may cover your sin so that no one may know, but you cannot hide it from you. It's not God. You can't lie to everybody. You can't lie to yourself. Because say, no, 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 no. Like they bring them to the rehab. I don't know why my parents are insisting on bringing me. I don't know why my wife is accusing me falsely. I'm not doing anything. It's a lie. They brought one boy. He had been expelled from school. And the school said, unless you go to rehab, you can't come back. And he was in final year. His father brought him to our rehab, indignant, indignant. No way. They're lying against my son. Nothing contaminated can come from my loins. <laughs> I see they talk, me and my, my people, we turn, we look at ourselves. We just they very serious because now na elder Agbalagbani. So we, we all did elder respect, kept quiet. Nothing contempt, they are lying against my son. Da, da, da. We say, sir, okay, sir, please, can you excuse us? Because we need to talk with him privately. Then Papa come out. Papa come out, all of us just did the boy like this. He said, yeah, actually, my daddy doesn't know. I'm not only, I'm not only a user, I'm the dealer on campus. Hey, hey, hey. The day the father found out that something contaminated came out of his loins. Hey, hey. We thought the man was going to die in our office. He, he looked like he was going to have a heart attack. He was shocked. Shocked. The boy knew. It's the papa that didn't know. You, you can lie to everybody. That's why, you know, our rehab center, I am sure, is the only one in this country that also uses lie detector machine to catch them. Not just drug tests. Because they have now found things to take to counter the effect of a drug test. So you test them for drugs and they'll be negative. Meanwhile, the body full with all kinds of things. So we introduced the lie detector machine. I'm a polygrapher. As you did that, they say, oh, hey, I'll just bring all the, all the sensors. The one who go tie your belly, tie your chest, tie your hand. Say, under your bum bum self, you did, tie your finger. Immediately they see all the gadgets, they say, Malem, just tell you the truth. <laughs> mama, mama, just talk truth. <laughs> Actually, actually, my it's only weed. The moment they tell you it's only weed, just know that it's a lie. Listen, <laughs> we are taught in addiction that if an addict tells you good morning, even if you see the sun shining, it's a lie. That's how you operate. So that you don't get shocked. Praise the Lord. So those are the seven doorways. Now, do you see that it is not only people with dada that are addicts? Think about you and Coke. Do you feel entitled to coke? It's an addiction. You are an addict. Do you feel addicted? How about your anger? 
Now, so we there for our family, or if we vex, we can do anything. It's, it's been there so long, it's normalized, it's accepted. Hello? How about, how about, how about those ripped jeans? Since ripped jeans come off for this one, you need to wear anything again. Rip, rip, rip. I saw one ripped jeans there. Eh? No, it is. They, they shouldn't call it ripped jeans because there was nothing there. It's just that vein here and the one here and one here. The rest. So what do you call that one? It's not ripped. It's non-existent jeans. <laughs> how, about, how about that? That, that snack that you must have with your tea or coffee. Guys, I, I, I honestly, my stomach doesn't open unless I smoke a cigarette. You know, the cigarette is just to open up my stomach. The, before you begin smoke, I was your stomach lock. <laughs> Check, measure yourself. You'll find that the elements of addictions are there. So all of us need to come before the Lord in humility. All of us are work in progress. Can I tell you the addictions that ran in my life for many years unchecked? Number one was anger. You won't believe it. I don't vex carrying a follow person before. And I was already a reverend. <laughs> don't, don't mistake it. No, be that's why. You say when I was, I don't believe I, I wasn't a believer. I was already reverend. But anger had enthroned itself in my life. And I wondered, where did this anger come from? Until one day I was so angry, my body started twitching as if somebody was shocking me with electricity. And I suddenly remembered, that's how my father used to look when he was angry. His body would twitch. It used to scare me, and now I saw it in me. I know called it in the just day. Why? Genetics. Spiritual genetics. The fathers have eaten sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. Then my, my, my second addiction... You go touch some people, shall I go choke? It's Coke. Coca-Cola. Lord Jesus. Can you, you know, just imagining Coca-Cola makes you feel calm. Cold, chilled. That one that is just about to freeze. Oh, Lordy. It's bad. Woo! Anytime they tell you, say they touch medulla, na lie, na Coke. They touch medulla oblongata. I would drink Coke six, seven bottles a day. I can drink Coke and not eat anything else. It was a lot bigger than this. And then, you know, once the doorway is open for one demon, he goes and brings seven more, right? It takes time, but he, he, in the completer. They brought one guy to our rehab. He's the first person I've ever seen that completed the calculations of Jesus. One demon brought seven. He had eight addictions going at the same time. It's a matter of time. So that one demon of coke opened the door to fresh hot bread. Oh, Lord. Yeah, 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 I'm going to go there. Bread. I know what the devil did to me. He came and positioned the bakery on my street. La Roche Kataya Barakataya. So the, even if I won't resist temptation, the smell of the bread, it a come. Now, so Satan, they do it. They set people up. So I, I had my twin, my twin things going, coke and bread. I knew there was a problem. I knew it wasn't good for me. But I couldn't stop. 
And I began to pray. See, that's all God wants you to do. Cry out to him. Call his name. He's a merciful God. So I began to pray. I said, God, I don't need this in my life. What am I going to do? I don't need this. I kept drinking. I don't need this. Then one day I was reading my Bible. I've read that scripture many times, but that day the Holy Spirit energized it. He said, all things are expedient. But not all, all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. Step one. Step two says, all things are lawful and I will not be brought under the power of any. Ah, that's where the thing broke. The word of God. So what I started doing, I started, you cannot deal with two additions at the same time. Your brain will give up on you. It will, it, your brain will faint. So do one at a time. If you have six addictions, do one at a time. Don't do all. Your brain will give up. So I started with the Coke first. I was still eating my bread. For you know, now that the Coke, no, the bread chopping doubled. <laughs> so I'll put the Coke on the table in front of me. You are lawful unto me because you are a drink. But I'll not be brought under the power of Coke. I'll put it back in the fridge. And because uh, recovery is an active thing. It's not passive. Can't just sit here and be thinking, no, I don't want to drink Coke again. Coke, go away in Jesus' name. You're not going to go. So, I will not be brought under the power of Coke. I'll put it back in the fridge. I did that with one bottle of Coke until I went one whole month. And I didn't drink one bottle of Coke. Now I drink Coke because I want to, not because I have to. Then I went on bread. Brought, I will bring the hottest, freshest bread. That way they never put inside nylon. Going too hot. Could all leave them. I will leave it there and be speaking to it till it grows mold. And that was it. I eat bread because I want to. I can go weeks without eating bread. And I'm free. Praise God. I don't, I, I don't have time to start telling you the process of breaking free from the anger, but I did. Praise God. Today we're talking about breaking, how to break free, right? So I'll stop here and take questions real quick. And in the midst of taking the questions, we'll be dealing with so many of these issues. So I don't know if people brought questions. If people sent questions. Okay, there are questions. All right. And in case you haven't asked yours, you can write it on a piece of paper and give to any other. If you have the courage to stand up and ask. There's an app. Hey, I know go school. And then they teach me something. Waiting the app. So they'll go the app, go put their question. Ah. Wala, wala, wala. Let go. And they always give people assignment. We go to say we savvy. When we reach out, we'll all be like mumu. Okay. So is the question going to come up or somebody's gonna read I'm it? Going to read okay, it. I thought the app will bring the question. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, question. Go on. Okay, so everyone, please go to Slee Sly. Slee Sly. Slee.do and type in free indeed. So, all right. Okay, so first question. How do you break free from the addiction of anger? Anger. Uh-uh. Yes. Anger question. and sleep. Anger and sleep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, sleep. You can take any legitimate human endeavor, push it to an extreme, and it becomes a problem. You can, you can sleep the sleep of the dead. Get some people, fire, don't catch out. Everybody don't shout, run out. You still dead, yeah. 
You need to pray about that kind of prayer. Because danger will come and you will die, not because you were supposed to die, but because sleep has become a problem. So, um, how do you break out of the... I think I shouldn't try to look at one addiction after the other because the principles for breaking addictions are the same across board. Addiction is addiction is addiction is addiction. The only difference is the drug of choice. Some people have chosen marijuana. Some people have chosen sleep. Some people have chosen anger. Some people have chosen um, 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 codeine. Some people have chosen gambling. So, but the principle for breaking them are the same. All right? Now, I told you yes on Sunday that every addiction is a training of the brain. And if you're going to break free, you have to untrain the brain and retrain in a different direction. All right? So, why do you go back to that behavior even when you have said to yourself, I don't want to do this again? It's because your brain associates the behavior with pleasure. And the brain is a pleasure organ. It was created for pleasure. Anything that brings pleasure to the brain, the brain pursues it. Now, if you, if you trek home from church today, you're going to be sweating when you get home. And you'll be hot. So you get into the shower and put on the shower. You're, are you going to put on hot water or cold water if you're sweating? Cold water. What happens when the cold water hit your, hits your hot body? You just stand there. Nobody say they bath. Go just stand there, water, go they pour for your body. Somebody will be knocking on the door. I need to we at the corner, at the corner, we first, we first. You start, why? Your brain has registered the pleasure of the cold water on the hot body. So it stays there. But conversely, the brain is designed to run from pain by any means necessary. By any means necessary. So if you want to break any habit, you have to teach your brain to associate the habit with pain and not pleasure. Once that happens, addiction will go. And I'm going to show you how. Praise God. One of the things that we have lost in the church that helps with, accountab- with um, addiction is accountability. In James chapter 5, verse 17, 16, 17, 18, I'm not sure, one of the three. James 5, 17. It says, before that, it says, is anyone sick amongst you? Let him call the elders of the church. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Save the sick. Do the sick need saving? Is it not healing? Then look at what verse 17 say. Sorry, you. Not be 17. 16. Let me see. What, what does 16 say? Aha. Uh-huh. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be. So it can't be like confusion. Now this person needs saving. The other one where they sick now need healing. And God said to me, it's not a mistake. When a person is sick, the pressure of the enemy is so strong, the person does not have any strength to resist. So the prayer of faith will remove the pressure of the enemy so the person can get saved from that illness. But the person who is addicted needs healing from his addiction. And the only way that he can heal is to expose the addiction and not cover it. That's why I said to you, secrecy is the power of addiction. So, what God is saying here is this. Expose the sin. This is accountability. And that's what Solomon was talking about in Ecclesiastes. He said, woe unto him that falleth when he's alone. 
for there's nobody to help him up. He said two are better than one, for if one falls, the other will raise. That's called the power up principle. You power up by becoming accountable to somebody. So I may call pastor and say, pastor, please, um, I don't normally struggle except on Saturdays because I don't go to work. When I'm at work, I'm too occupied to get into all these other vices. But on Saturdays, especially around 4 p.m., when evening, don't they come like this? Now that time, my brain go to tell me, oh boy, it's time, oh, time to go get some ganja, to go iry, you know? Say, Pastor Abel, when for knock, call me. Check on me, ask me where I am. That's accountability. Accountability is giving somebody the right to get in your face over any behavior. And you are not allowed to get angry. You're not allowed to hide. Listen, if you're going to break free from addiction, you must come into a place of brutal self-honesty. I use the word brutal intentionally. You must be brutally self-honest. I told you one of the indicators of addiction is that your heart knows. You can't lie to anybody, but you can lie to everybody, but you can't lie to yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. You know this thing you don't do. I don't want again. Hmm. The anger issue with me, it used to show up mostly in the traffic. In the driving, in the driving time. Hey, I wake up in the morning all prayed up, holy, my God, ready to conquer the world for Jesus. And that only lasts five minutes until one crazy driver just drives his car anyhow in front of me. And then before I know it, idiot, look at you, fool. Then the Holy Spirit will say, Reverend Christy. Hey! Oh, let me say my shame. Oh, God. What is this? I'll go back and pray, 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 pray. One day, me and one man now come block ourselves like this. Don't they curse them? They breathe. Look at you. Idiot. Don't you know how to drive? What is all you should do? Why should people see a woman driving? You'll be doing that, that, that. Now, Anger, anger doesn't allow you to think. It suspends your senses. Because you see, usually when you are abusing people like this, they'll be cursing you right back. That day, anger, no let me see. Say, the man, no talk. And just they look me as I they shout, huffing and puffing. When I finished, I was now breathing, breathing, breathing. Eyeing him like I could kill him with my eyes. The man now said, Good afternoon, Reverend Christie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, lo, lo, lo. You know, it's been over 20, like 22 years. But every time I tell the story, I feel that shame again. The man not only know my name, he know my title. <laughs> Reverend. <laughs> Can you imagine one day the man is just sitting in his church and they say, oh, we have this powerful woman coming to minister to us. Can you welcome Reverend Christy? The man will say, who? who? This one, Reverend Mia, and I may be Pope. <laughs> oh, that was the day I went to God. I said, God, I'm done. This is not okay. I'm done. So I put the processes in place. So accountability is the first step towards dealing with your addiction. Of course, that's the external. Internally, you're, you, have to, you have to come against denial. Denial is the biggest obstacle to recovery. Have you ever met any person who was drunk and you say you are drunk and you say, yes, I'm drunk? No. Immediately you say, I'm drunk. Say, oh, oh, oh. 
Who, who, who is drunk? They are the one that is drunk. They say, what's that coming? He said, those two lights. Eh? Now two motorcycles side by side. It's a cow. And he drove his motorcycle between the two motorcycles. <laughs> Professor was an alcoholic. Every night he would go and drink. He would be so drunk. They would help him to his car, but he would always, I don't know why his brain wired itself like that. He would go to the passenger side and he would enter there. Then he would sit down. <laughs> He'll be crying. These children of nowadays, look at what they did to me. They said, what did they do to you? They stole my steering. <laughs> Wine is a mocker. That's what the Bible says. Praise God. So, you start with that acceptance. You know, in, in recovery, we have what they call the 12 steps to recovery, if you're conversant with it. The first step says we admitted that we were powerless against what is up against us. If you don't admit that this thing don't pass your power, you will not rise up to fight it. So denial has to go. Then the next thing is accountability. You become accountable to somebody. Now, any accountability group that does not have consequences is not a recovery group, it's a relapse group. They've got to be consequences. It is consequences that make us stay within boundaries. Because addictions are a refusal to live within boundaries. So, the person has to be able to say to you, if you do this thing again, this, 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 this. So, so, I have this guy that came for recovery and he loves football. He loves Arsenal. He's the kind of lover that will leave Nigeria on the first flight land in London in the early evening, straight to the football stadium to watch Arsenal play and get on the last flight back to Nigeria by the next morning. He will fly to London just to watch football match and come back. That's how passionate he is. So when he came for recovery, we say, okay, consequences have to be painful enough to act as a deterrent, not just any small quick thing. So we said, anytime you relapse again, you will not watch three football matches. Three. The man still there now straight. It's been over 10 years. The thought of missing three football matches is enough. Say, bros, whoever that girl be, I don't leave him. I know they go. Because it was a sexual struggle. There's another man that disliked Hillary Clinton so bad. So his consequence was that every time you relapse. So they told him, give your wife $3,000 of your money. That's the down payment. It must never be less than 3000 Because anytime you misbehave, 1,000 they go, so you top it. 3,000 to your wife. Every time you relapse, 1,000 goes to Hillary Clinton's campaign team. Ah, the man straight. <laughs> you know, bend again. Do you understand? Consequences have to be strong. They have to be painful. One of the young ladies I helped, she, she loves to watch movies. So her punishment, now she gave herself the punishment too. When the time came, she was begging me, Ma, please, can we reduce the time? Because she gave herself 30 days, no movies. This is somebody that lives on movies. She doesn't have a job. So now 30 days. When she relapsed, see begging, see crying. I said, no, we can't move the... The Bible says, do not move the ancient landmarks. <laughs> you put 30 days, now that 30 days you go do. She has been sober now for 12 years. Maybe one of these days, if I'm coming back here, I'll come with her. She shares her stories. 
Praise God. Um, so I've given you two now, which is accountability, um, break denial, accountability, right? And consequences. Okay. Then there's one more thing that is very, very good to do. It's called prayer. It's called prayer. Prayer is inviting God into a battle. And which battle can withstand God? Somebody said, but I don't pray. You prayed, but you did not pray with revelation or understanding of what you were dealing with. So you pray. Finally, you retrain the brain. Because addiction is a training of the brain. I don't know how many of you in psychology or um, philosophy came across the concept of Pavlov's law of classical conditioning. Pavlov, who, who has heard of Pavlov's law? Yeah, okay. So Pavlov was a guy who bought a dog, a puppy, baby dog. Then he bought a bell. Every time he rang that bell, he would feed the dog with some, some food that the dog liked. Ring the bell, feed the dog. Ring the bell, feed the dog. In a short while, once the dog heard the sound of a bell, saliva would start pouring from the mouth because he's expecting food. Then the man switched the experiment. Ring the bell, kick the dog. Ring the, ring the bell, slap the dog. It took less time. Once the dog heard the sound of the bell, it took off because it's not now beating the cup. It's the same bell, but the stimulus changed. That's what you must do to your brain. Let me tell you the story of a baby, about four years old. Her mother told me. She said every time there was power failure, she would light candle and keep it. And the baby... Let's assume the candle is here. The baby will start from wherever she is. Mommy, what is this? Mother says, it's hot. Don't touch it. Mommy, what is this? It's hot. Don't touch it. When she gets too close, the mother will take the candle away. Every time. After a while, the mother got tired. said, today, I need to come out this candle. Mom, see what this speaking go do. Mommy, what is this? Don't touch it. It's hot. Mommy. What is this? Ooh! She put her finger in the fire. It's hot. It's hot. It's hot. The mother said, I've been telling you it's hot since. You know, Gree. Now you know. She said, but the next time there was power failure and I lit the candle. From wherever she used to start, she started from there again. Mommy, what is that? <laughs> Did you notice what changed? It's no longer what is this because she's not coming close. What is that? Why? The brain has registered. That's no more attractive. It's pain. And I told you the brain will run from pain. Each pain don't choke you before. Anytime you see pain, what in the apple? We say, but move Because that's in the pain, no. You remember. So, this is what Pavlov did with the dog. He changed the experiment around. So, every time the addiction comes up and you want to indulge, your brain is anticipating the pleasure. Now, to break that trend, you have to teach the brain to associate the behavior with pain. So, I introduce you to the most powerful tool for reformation and retraining of the human brain. Very powerful. Rubber band. Powerful tool. This thing, this thing. This thing, they walk. They reset brain like play. This thing. Have you ever slapped yourself mistakenly with rubber band? You know, say tears they gather for your eye, I think. <laughs> now you are being brutally honest. So I'm left handed. I'm sure you have noticed by now. 
Take two, don't take one. One will cut easily. So you take two. Thankfully, rubber gets many colors. Girls, you can do too much. You're wearing a red dress, you can wear red rubber band. Wearing a green dress, guys, you can do anything you want because now own colors, you know they understand. So, take two rubber bands and don't use all those, you know those churches, redeem or winner, then get those kind of bracelet, fat one, where they write on top, uh, chosen. That one, no, they work. It's too fat. Take this. So you wear the two on your hand like wrist, wristband. Every struggle begins with a thought. The battlefield is the mind. Your thought will tell you, we're feeling tense. We need a shot. Oh boy, tension, don't they come? You need a cheek. Oh girl, you need a cockerel. We know we, we established that it's a cockerel. Yeah. Go and look for. Da, da, da. The moment the thought comes, because you have entered the place of brutal self-honesty, you commit to pulling the rubber band and saying to your brain, here is your cockerel. Pow! You can literally hear your brain saying, uh-uh. I say, I want ganja. They slap me. Why they slap me now? Now ganja. So if your brain says to you 20 times a day that you need ganja, you must commit in the place of brutal self-honesty to pull the rubber band 20 times a day. This rubber band has been proven scientifically to cut down struggles by 85% in the first 10 days of use. In 10 days, this thing will break through your addiction like play. It's not, it's not, it's not magic. The first person I ever used, Pastor Wolfessor will talk to you about it. But the first person I ever used it on was a pastor who was addicted to porn for 26 years. And he put the rubber band, and my yellow. So the hand changed color. The hand turned blue, black, green, yellow. He said to me, Ma, he called me on the 11th day, and he was screaming in the phone, It works! My, it works! I said, What? He said, The rubber band works! I said, What do you mean? He said, My, the first three days, he played music. Pow, 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 pow. He said, <laughs> He said, even I did not know how frequently I thought about evil until I put the rubber band on my hand. And I was determined. He was pulling pow, 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 pow. He said, but by the fourth day, I suddenly realized I wasn't hitting myself so much. And I said to myself, bros, you don't they slack, oh. Only three days, you don't they slow down. And I realized, no, I wasn't slowing down. My brain was not going to porn that fast. So he went the whole of day 10 without slapping himself. That's why he called me on the 11th day and he was shouting. He's been sober now for 16 years. He's one of the strongest hands I have in the rehab center that helps people who are struggling sexually. He works there. Praise the Lord. So, if you have plenty of addictions, <laughs> buy the pack. By the time you finish park, your head go reset past the day where them born you, sir. Hello? That man that was chatting, wahala, wahala, wahala. This is the real wahala, wahala. If you carry this, your head goes set. So we are going to do a commercial now. 
For alcohol, shout rubber band. Man, I don't talk like that, I just sleep. Shout rubber band. For anger. For lying, anyhow. Fighting anywhere, fight, reach you. Masturbation. Adultery. Fornication. Naira bed. Hello. Pornography. Telemundo. African magic. Z-Wall. Football. going to stand from their seat and say to me, I'm done with this struggle. This is deliverance now. Come take the rubber band from me. I'm done. God bless you. Who? Yes. Ushers, come. Help me. Give to others. Give. Share it with others. Give somebody too. Look at that. Give. Share it. Share it. Share it to each other. Share. Yes. Yes. We are, we are going to be free. Share it to others. Share it. Give to somebody. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. We are all going to be free. Don't go with too many. Give to others. You only need two. You only need two. Share it with others. You only need two. This is our deliverance. We're not doing any close your eye, let's pray. We're fighting this thing. We're slapping this brain into a reset. Yes. Yes. Share it. Share it. Give to some others. Hello, sorry, sorry, some are falling. Yes, this is our deliverance. We're not going to say, oh, close eye, let's pray. We're fighting. No, 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 no. The person that wants to come, they shouldn't sit on their seat. Yes, I'm no long. Thank you, my brother. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Yes. Yes. I'm no longer. Yes. I'm no longer. Come on now. I am. Sing it again. I'm no longer. I am. 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 I and I said, you masturbate in public. Say, no. Can you just come inside church now as we lie down here? Just say, yeah, come begin jack off. He said, no. I said, where do you do it? Say, I hide. Stop hiding. Everything the brain led you to do without thinking, go the opposite direction. Stop hiding. Number one. Number two. Once the urge comes, you remember they taught us about life cycle of an insect, right? They say it starts with what? Egg, lava, adult. Do you know that the only reason you get an adult fly, for example, is because nobody crushed the egg. If you crush the egg, there will be no fly. 
So before, once your brain says, we need ganja, you go and take ganja. But now the brain says, we need ganja, and you slap rubber band. You know, you just, you crush the egg. You are cutting through the ritual that you normally go through before you fall. And that's how your brain begins to reach in, in another direction, because you are interrupting that process it was used to. So I tell them, I say, once the odd comes and you pull the rubber band, start praying. Holy Spirit and erection cannot stay together. One will go down. And I do not no get power. And in case you pray and you know Greek, cut two rubber band. Put there. Papow. Matador end. You know now, ain't no way that's going to go on. Once rubber band is fantastic for retraining the brain. I'm going to teach you how to get sense where, where they please God. Praise God. Did you, did you hear something? Did you get something? There's no magic. There's no magic. Who by reason of use, it is by repetition that you got into the problem that you are in now. It is by repetition of the things you've heard and learned today that you will also break free and stay free. Read the next question. Yeah, we still have a little time. Praise God. Oh, you think this has answered all the questions? No, no, no. Okay, so, go ahead. So I believe you've answered 80% of the question, how to break free. But there are a few of them that are quite important. Okay. How do I break generational patterns? You talked about it. You said generational patterns of broken marriages and fornication. It started from my grandfather down to my siblings. Now it's heading my way. It cannot be heading your way. It's one of the ways to break it. The confessions you make would determine. It was alcohol. My grandfather was a native doctor. He had six wives with 36 children. Yes. My father and his siblings grew up. And out of the 36 children, only one person made it in life. The rest all came to collect from that one. The 36 children have over 100 grand, well, the 100 grandchildren from my, from my granddad. Out of the hundred grandchildren, only one has made it. I don't want to count myself because I'm a woman. I, I, I don't come up for that family. But only one. The others go to him. Now the, the children of those ones too are struggling. So the devil attempts to set a pattern. You take a stand. My immediate senior sister ran away from home when she was 16. By the time we found out at 17, she was pregnant for a man. The moment the man realized her family knew where she was, he pushed her out. So she came back home. My father took her. She gave birth to a girl. One day I was sitting in Potaka. They called me. The girl has run away from home. How old was she? 16. Oh. We combed this nation. Do you know where we found her? Gombe. I bet when they think of town for this country. That one, they call, if you are from Gombe, no vex. But Gombe. No, the entire person in mind for this country. Say not town. Gombe. That's where we found her. I brought her to Portacourt. I said to her, why did you run away? She said, mommy, I don't know. Something was just telling me, run, run, run. Please, so I'm not, I don't believe in all those extreme things that you go and gather pastors to come and heal a la la la. Our mouth is powerful. I and God, we are an unbeatable team. You take a stand. See, the only time Satan can cheat you is when you are ignorant. Once you know his power is broken. Ignorance is more dangerous than Satan. Because Satan will cheat you. So now that you know, you take a stand. You say, Father, the altar that is speaking in my family, the altar of adultery, the altar of sexual sin, the altar of broken marriages, the altar of fornication, today 
I approach you because he said, this day I've given you power to root out, to pull down, and to destroy. Then he said, I've given you power to build. So I pulled down the old altar and I raised a new altar and I put upon it the highest sacrifice, the blood of Jesus. There is no other blood that can speak higher than that. So whenever the enemy stands in the court of heaven and presents his token, the moment he said, this is why I must hold this woman, the blood of Jesus will rise up and say, ah, ah, paid in full. That's all you need to do. Raise another altar. Raise it. It doesn't take any drama. The name of Jesus is enough. <laughs> enough. If you don't think you are strong enough in your heart to pray and believe it, go to pastor. It's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But please don't let anybody tell you, say, if they no come do deep deliverance, I tell God, beg you. I, I didn't see Jesus fight with no demon. He spoke and they obeyed. So you must speak. See, every transitional man that rises in any family will pay a heavy price. That's why Joseph suffered the way he suffered. It's why Jesus suffered the way he suffered. You pay a price, but you're paying a price to rescue a whole lineage. Ah, and you know, I saw something about the story of Gideon. Gideon is the one from whom I saw that God will not only rescue the present generation, he can rescue the past and the future. Because when Gideon stood with God, they came to kill him for breaking down the altar of Baal. His father, who was the priest of Baal, switched overnight. The previous generation was rescued. He came and said, don't kill my son. If Baal be God, let him contend for himself. Jerubal. And he stood with him. And the sons of Gideon also became men of valor like him. God can redeem the past, the present, and the future. Why? He exists in all three dimensions. Hallelujah! Ah! I look at my nephews and my nieces who were already towing the lines of my siblings. And I'm seeing them following Jesus like rabid dogs. And I'm like, ah, change is possible. My only surviving brother, I told you the only reason is, oh, I didn't tell you here, I told you in the other church. The only reason my brother is alive is because five years ago, he carried his bag and came to the rehab. He said, Christy, help me. You're helping others. I don't want to die. Today, my brother walks in that rehab. When people are brought there and they are protesting, no, na, 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 na. He says, sit down. Let me tell you my story. The moment they hear a story, they quietly carry their bag and go to their room. Why? Because they can see the possibility of change. They can see hope in this person who is standing. 90% of my staff in the rehab are products of the rehab. Yes. From drug addicts to sex addicts. They are, all, they are products of the rehab. They walk there and they tell their stories to the people who come. What are we selling? Hope. It's our commodity. You can break through anything. You can break free. Even if it's been there for 10 generations, you break it. The name of Jesus is stronger than anything. Praise God. Yes. Let's see if there's another kind of question that we must look at. Yes. Yes. Um, how do I get a loved one to go to rehab? How do I get a loved one to go to rehab? Hmm. In the Western world, they have made it a crime to force anybody to rehab. They say the person has to be willing. Now we did our rehabo. Now they bring one boy from America. He had been willing, willing four times. They carried him to rehab. Once he got to the rehab, big 
guy like this, he would just shout at everybody, I want to leave. And the moment you say you want to leave, they let you go. The mother told him to come and attend the grandmother's burial. Grandmother no die, but he come. They brought him straight from the airport to the rehab. So he looked at the rehab and sized up everybody there and felt like nobody day here if he talked to me. So started shouting at everybody, yelling. And his size is such that when he yells, you back off. I said, no, this boy no if you call intimidators here. What he didn't know is that the people he saw are the physical staff. There are unphysical ones. Is there any English like that? Our rehab is situated in the part of Portacot where the highest drug use and the highest drug sales are done. That's where we're located. So it's a rough neighborhood. So I have some repented militants who are pastors now. But it is still their blood. You know they come out. When we don't beg you, plead with you, hug you, love you, sing for you, you know, agree. We just see that like five of them will just come. Again, their be be still day. The voice is still day. The body is day. All their scars are still there. You get one way tall, pass all of them. You know they talk. When you enter the room, you go just do like this. The others will say, oh boy, they don't call us for you. Yeah, no be America. If you call now, one, one, now us, you go see. I you see this one now. Ain't talk to you, no. No, let them talk to you. Say, would you go? No, let them call us for you again. And they will leave. So when they came the first time and left, they left, say, while they were talking, say, okay, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that again. They left. Immediately they left. He started yelling again. No, no, no. So I locked him up in the solitary confinement room. This boy was so strong and angry and still high on drugs. He removed the door from the wall. Now, because of that boy, I don't use iron, eh? Welder. Don't call well. That, that, that solitary confinement room, the prison inside the rehab, is, it has an iron welded door. Who, who born you to remove them? So we did that. But he removed the door, came into the corridor and flung the door. And the door was going that way. A boy was stepping out of the room and that door almost decapitated him. Guys, step back. Ah! Those boys came back. Immediately, so they, what the F, 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 who do you think? That is, the shock on the boy's face, everybody saw it. Because before he finished the sentence, he no know as in the ground. They don't, they don't climb leg, lie for ground. They, when they gave him a few slaps, was he shouting? They just tied him, tied his two hands behind his back, tied the two legs with the two hands, carry him like this, throw him inside the room. Hey, hey, even me, I fear. <laughs> so I went to my office. 20 minutes, that boy was screaming. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please call mommy. I want to apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nanda called me. I come. He said, please release me. This doesn't even make sense. They said, oh, you see, get mother to say it don't make sense. You go see sense. Madam, go. I said, madam, go. Two hours, that boy was yelling. Now me go to that, I say, I beg, I call you now. I leave and I beg. Okay, I know to say, I release and complete, but losing leg, I beg, lose the hand. 
chain him to his bed. I called his mother. She said, chain him, starve him, kill him. I don't care, I'm tired. She was tired. They left him chained on the legs for, for four days. We don't chain people as a matter of course, never. But if you are a danger to yourself and to others, we have to restrain you. That anywhere in the world, it's, it's okay to do that. After we come out that chain, two days. It's been four years now. The mother calls me. He's back in America. Every time she calls me, Reverend Christie, your son is doing so well. I say amen. Because when they said, those people voice this, they ring for the head. <laughs> Try them again. Mama will carry you come back to Nigeria. Okay. How do you get a loved one to go to rehab? If they are still in a place where you can reason with them, you talk. You try to get them to see. But the challenge is, a person that is under the influence of drug is not the person you are talking to. You are talking to the drug. And drugs don't care. Drugs don't want to know. They just want to feel what they want to feel. So many of them are not in a place where you can have rational conversations with them. When you talk, you plead, you explain they don't agree, you have to forcefully take them because they are a danger to themselves and to others. And uh, uh, to protect yourself, there is a, a document in the court that you can get. I think they call it Form A. You get that from the magistrate that gives you the right to commit the person to a health facility because the person is a danger to themselves. So even if he comes out tomorrow and says, I want to go and sue, he can't sue because the family had to take the decision to save him from himself or her from herself. All right? So the first line of, um, line to, of approach is to explain to the person, reason with the person, try and get the person to agree. I have quite a few who come willingly. When the destructions are enough, when the pain levels are high enough, they come. But many others, now Mopo, like soldier with gun, now they bring them come. When those ones come, now they, they do like guy, man, until they see those other guys. Then they say, guy, pass guy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that's how to do that. Okay. Love is a very critical factor in helping an addict. Oh, love will play a big role. Love will play a big role because they already feel unlovable. So if you're able to love them through that, sometimes they'll respond to love more than force. All right. Okay, because of time, we'll take like two more. Sure. Okay. Um, what kind of consequences can you give a friend that is accountable to you, but you, you don't live together? How can you monitor her? You can't monitor. That's why I said you must come into the place of brutal self-honesty. I can't be your friend trying to help you and you they play me kalu kalu. Not be one well. That's why I told you now, I said, David, they call him, that he should come and be playing guitar so that demons will leave Saul. Saul, come and carry javelin. Say one jam, he won't kill David. I don't go. Now me, they help you. You won't kill me. Man, no, no be Jesus talk. If you want to make thunder fire the person, but thunder no fire, but... <laughs> I'm playing for you and demons are leaving you. Then you want to kill me. I'll leave you there. You die. You die. Let the demons kill you. Do you understand? So if you say to me, Christy, help me. I want to be well. I expect you to bring some skin to the game. I'm not going to do the work for you. In fact, you are not the one to give the person the consequence. It's the person that will tell you where to go pain and wear well. Then that becomes the consequence. 
Seeing that we're compassed by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every sin and weight that easily besets us. It's not the other person that will help us lay it aside. We are the ones who know what easily besets us. There are some brothers that don't shake ladies. They don't call them all kinds of names. Brother, collect the name. Now you know what they do you. When we come off a house, ladies, we don't wear those high heels weigh like nine inches. They print around. Inside every handbag, guess what you're going to find? It's a pair of slippers. Why? Small time, the steps go change. You, you go to say, nah, guy, no be guy, shoe don't they pay? When the thing don't pay rich, will they come out the shoe? Guy don't finish, go wear slippers. You know what is besetting you, so you don't let people mess around with your pursuit for healing and wellness. So whoever is looking for help is the one that needs to be self-honest, to be brutally self-honest and say, look, I don't want to struggle like this anymore. This is what is eating me up. This is what is doing me. And this is how I want you to hold me accountable. There's a young girl that came to me. She said to me, Ma, I want to die. I said, why do you want to die? She said, because I'm living the life of a prostitute. I said, but that's not how my mother raised me. My mother raised me as a Christian, but now I sleep with any man that asks me. What happened to you? She was raped at 16. That's trauma. And she was raped by the most trusted person in her life. And so she started sleeping around and sometimes she would collect money. So I said to her, okay, I want to hold you. You want me to hold you accountable? Yes. I said, so anytime you are with a man, you're about to sleep with him, call me. Hey. One day I was sitting. I got a call. Mommy, I said, please tell me to get up and leave where I am. I said, okay, get up and leave where you are. Okay. I called back in four minutes. Your person that you're accountable to must be committed to you. So I called her back in four minutes. Have you left? No, ma. Get up and leave where you are. Okay, ma. I called back in three minutes. Have you left? No. Get up and leave. I called back four times in ten minutes. When I called the fourth time, she said, ma, I left. I've left, ma, I've left. I said, what was going on? She said, ma, you know, I've been looking for money for school fees. I said, he told me to come and sleep with him. He was going to give me 250000 How much is our school fees? 35000 She said, ma, I left. I left. And that was the beginning of her freedom. Today she's married. She just had a baby. She's married. So you who need help are the one that must bring most of the skin to the game. The other person is just there as a, as a person to lean on. They don't do the work for you. You do the work. And you must get into recovery. The five commandments for the addict is not ten commandments. Number one, you wake up in the morning, you pray. Father, today, one day at a time. Today, let me be strong. Let me be upright. Number two, you read materials that have to do with addiction recovery. Anything you can find. Number three, you, 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 you go for um, support groups if you can find one. If you can't, let your accountability person be your support group partner. Number four, you, what's the fourth one? You pray, you read, you make a call, phone call. Call somebody. <laughs> one night, one of my guys that was in recovery called one person. The person was busy. There are five in the group. Called one person. Number was off. This was 11 in the night. Call the second person. Number was off. Call the third person. Number was on. He said, bros, I don't want to relapse. I'm about to relapse. There's such a strong presence of evil in my room. It's pushing me, but I don't want to do That's why I've called the third person now. He told us the next day that he doesn't even know what that brother said to him, but he didn't relapse. He fell asleep. Do you know what the brother started talking about? He said, even the brother said, I don't even know why. 
Immediately he told me that this is what is going on. I said, I just heard myself asking him, did you watch that match that happened yesterday? Say which one? The one between uh, Chelsea and Manchester. He said, oh boy, I don't know if you understand what you do those people. He says, just score goal anyhow. Nadia and the boy and the man sleep. This is what support does for you. The Holy Spirit is there directing the process. So he will put what is in his heart in the mouth of your accountability person and the person will say it to you and the pressure will go off you. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Yes, ma'am. So I know I said this is the last question. It's okay. Don't worry. You can do the last test of the last. Second to the last. Okay. Okay, so we, we've helped addi- people that are addicted. You what? We've helped you. helped people that are addicted. Okay. Now, what about their families? The family, yeah. Yeah, so how do you help people Families, that have family members that are... Family members suffer in a different way. So whenever there's one addict in a family, the dynamics of the family shift. All the resources of the family are now channeled towards one person. Mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, financial. So different reactions you will find in the family. Some people will get angry at the addict. Why is this person just messing with the whole family? Why are you causing us so much pain and shame? They get angry and they stand aloof. Others become resentful. Others become sad. Then others become enablers. The enablers are the ones that have a lot of empathy and the addict can recognize that. So he uses them to get the drug. Even when they say, we're locking you in the house so that you will not have the drug, he will be able to get those ones to go and buy and sneak to him. And if you want, you can't just see he's destroying himself. No, those are the dynamics that happen in the family. So how do we help the family? One is education. We need to take the time to understand the basics and the workings of addiction so that we understand what's happening to us too. We need to do prayer together as a family. See, because what happens for most parents, especially in Africa, instead of praying, they start cursing the child. All this prayer where you are cursing me, your children will pay me back. You will see your own life. This is how you'll be under. No. You're releasing life. But now it's not life coming out of you. It's death. So we pray. When parents bring their children to the rehab, we ask them, have you ever cursed him? They say, yes, have you ever spoken terrible words over here? We'll take them back here. Say, please, collect them back from the atmosphere. Take them back from any ear that I heard. Take them back from any foot soldiers that have already started implementing. Drop it here in the altar and go. Speak a blessing. We get them to say a blessing over. And then don't hide. That's what we do in Africa. We hide. So a young man, first class material, was working with a big engineering firm in England because he went to school in England. The parents found out he was doing drugs and was going up. They brought him back to Nigeria and came to our rehab to ask us, hey, please, can you come and do home service? That because, you know, a lot of people know our family around here. If they see us coming around here, they will now know that our son is struggling. I said, man, we don't do home service. The power of addiction is secrecy. We don't do home service, man. Let him come out of his familiar territory and comfort zone. And come elsewhere. They say, well, no, we can't do it. The boy is completely psychotic now. He's mad. Because they didn't bring him to stop the tide. He just kept going. And they were scared of him. Please, families, don't be scared of the addict. The attitude of the addict is the bulldog attitude. You know the bulldog? When you hear a bulldog bark, nobody will tell you stay far. But what many people don't know is that bulldogs hardly bite. It's the bark they use to get people to stay fast so that they can be left alone. That's what the addicts do. They put on this aggressive, threatening attitude, shout, 
do all kinds of things, carry knife, then everybody will back off and they get to do what they want. No. Don't be afraid. I cannot have a child that I'm afraid of. The day I slapped my son when at the height of his struggle, he was 24. When he was 13, I told him, you're a big boy now, I'll stop beating you, we'll be talking now. When I slapped him at 24, both of us were surprised. I was talking to him. He's very tall. He's talking to me. He was looking at the center of my head. I said, you will always be the son. I'll always be the parent. How dare you? Pow! The boy, I clear. <laughs> when his younger ones are misbehaving, you hear him saying, mm-hmm. <laughs> that thing you are doing, be shifting far from mommy. He said, mommy's hand is fast. Mommy slap you, sisters. Do you understand? So, you don't back down. The, the child shouldn't control the family. The parents should control the family. Especially for a child who, have, who has made those type of choices. So, these are all, there are so many dynamics. There are so many dynamics. But there's something called family intervention. When the family sits down and sees that this person is on a destructive path and is not stopping, she's not letting up, the family has to decide what needs to happen to the person. If you help the person once, twice, three times, they no agree. The person can no longer come back home. No, you can't. I did that with my son. Finally, we told him, boy, thank God you are a marine engineer. You have, you can't stay in this house anymore. You're big enough. Go get your, your house. Get out of our house. But mom, no buts. We gave you enough chances. You go. Oh, well, whatever. I have friends. We say, go to your friends. The boy don't count all the friends where he gets. <laughs> Ten days, the friends don't finish. <laughs> because I think go one house. By the second day, they start asking him, when are you leaving? So immediately they ask him that one, he'll go jump to the next one. Suddenly he realized he didn't have friends. After ten days, he came back. Mom, I'm sorry, daddy, help me. That's when he, he went to rehab. So you've got to the, you have to get to the place where you show tough love. Love must be tough sometimes. Love is not all soft, all agree, do anything you want. No. If we do that, we'll destroy our children. My children self, all of them know. They they find my trouble, go far. I don't care how big you are, how grown up. Even the one we marry, I tell them, try me, I'll slap you. Your husband will help me. Come on, go and sit down there. So you say, mommy, why are you like this? I say, I'm like this so that your head will be straight. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, so final question. Yeah. Um, you talked about the fact that um, the brain is trained to run away from pain. Mm-hmm. However, there are some people that are addicted to, to pain. pain yep. Yep. From, both from a sexual mm-hmm. and even... So how do they, you know, come out of such... You find you know, other addictions? elements of brain retraining. It's not only pain that can retrain the brain. Okay? Um, the element of shame used in the right way can retrain the brain. What do I mean? If you're truly serious about getting well and you're addicted to pain, rubber band won't work for you. It will reinforce the madness. So, I know that such people would be very, very careful what gets to pastor about them. So, we say your accountability person is pastor. Every time you go out and go and sleep with the prostitute, maybe that's the problem. You have to come and tell pastor. <laughs> Unless you don't want to be well. But you said, you go say, Chey. yesterday I tell pastor, say I go. Day before yesterday I tell pastor, say I go. Now, waiting now. 
Uh, no, if you go tell pastor, so if I'm man, no, just go. So we find other uh, ways of reinforcing healing and recovery outside of pain. There are people who, who are addicted to pain and pain is a trigger for them. Well, not a trigger, it's something they enjoy. Yeah? People who cut themselves and all of that. So we find other ways of helping them reinforce healing and recovery. Am I free? Yeah? Can you stand to your feet? Yes, you can put your hands together.